Well, when you guys preemptively clap, it ruins my line. Let's give it up for the band leading us in worship. It was great uh, to have a week off, and uh, Pastor Derek did a great job talking about the walls of Jericho and finishing up the series, Something is About to Happen, Something Has Happened, Something Is Happening, and so we are excited to start our new series um, called I Lived, and we're going to be looking at an overview of the Apostle Peter's life, and we're going to be looking at uh, whenever we follow after Christ, uh, that is when we truly, truly live. And so as we uh, unpack that, uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of things. And today is going to be a very excited sermon. Just so you all know, first service energy was like top notch. And so like the, the bar, super high for you guys today. Uh, we always rate uh, you guys. And so we'll see. We'll see how you do. Um, but... Whenever we're thinking about this series, I want you to know that we're really prepping for Easter, okay? So the Easter finale is going to be directly tied to the sermon that I'm preaching today. So we'll go all the way from calling to post-resurrection interaction with Peter after he's fallen and failed in the redemption. What an incredible arc. But I'm telling you, you really need to lock in today because that message is going to make such a difference if you understand this message here today. And we are excited that we are going to have five Easter services this year, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and uh, we have some, some good problems to have. Uh, we, we are running out of room quickly, and that's why we ask some of you, um, if you can, to go to first service. We would appreciate that, but we anticipate that we will likely have to launch a third service um, either before or post-Easter. So many of you are new, and you are saying to yourselves, do you already have enough people to do all of this? And the answer is no, we do not. And we are being nice right now, but that nice is going to turn to um, a draft, okay? You're going you're to walk in one Sunday and are like, okay, you've been here four weeks and now it's time, okay? And so just so you know, uh, we need you. And church uh, that, have, that have been here for a while, when we see all of this growth, isn't it exciting to see that all of the planting, all of the sowing, all of the watering, and now we're in a season of reaping. And so it is just an exciting time uh, to be a disciple. And it's a great church thing. Uh, whenever we consider the Apostle Peter today, we're going to see that really what it's all about is not just so that we can have a bigger crowd, it's because Every Sunday, lives are changed as a result of the preaching of God's Word. And so that's what we celebrate here at Genesis Metro, is that life change, that one more soul is saved. And that's, that's the pinnacle. That's the height. That's what it's all about. And the Bible says that when Jesus is lifted up, He draws people to Him. He draws all mankind, every sinner in the world, He's trying to draw to Him so that they might be saved. And we get to do that every week in here. He's drawing the broken. He's drawing the disenfranchised. He's drawing those that had a bad experience somewhere along the way. And man, we get to be a part 
of that life change. Nothing more exciting than that, church. And so we are going to start this series today, and I had a week off, so that means <laughs> I have more material as a result. So I have to make up for last week, because I know some of you are like, you know, we uh, didn't get our money's worth, and so... Um, so now you will, all right? Um, so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, the calling of the Apostle Peter. And um, before we get into the text, um, I, the macro question is that God is calling us all to follow. He's calling us all into the deep water to be a disciple, and that's always going to come at a cost. Okay, it's all, discipleship is not free. Salvation, free. Discipleship costs you everything, okay? So you have to decide, do you want to be just saved or do you want to be a disciple? And so as we ask these questions today, there's probably going to be some things that you're like, checkbox, yes, good. But there's probably going to be some things that you're like, okay, need to take a step in that area. Need to work in that area. And there's going to be a couple of things where you're like, oh, that's why this is going wrong and now we can course correct, okay? So let's get into the text. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by Lake Gennesaret, and this is also uh, the, the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. So when you're reading your Bible, it's called by different names. Um, the people were crowding around him, Jesus, and listening to the word of God. You know, Jesus just always drew a crowd. And I think when we lift him up, that's what draws the crowd, believe it or not. Um, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen, and we'll find out this is Andrew and Peter's boat, and uh, he has two partners that are James and John, who are also brothers, um, who were washing their nets, um, and we're going to find out that this was after the end of a long fishing day, so contextually, you need to know that. So they've fished all night, and now they're getting ready to knock off and go home. Um, so he got into one of the boats, a little presumptuous. If someone just got in my boat, I would have a problem. Um, the one belonging to Simon, and Simon is another uh, code name, if you will, for Peter, also called Cephas. Um, asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Uh, point number one, everything changes when Jesus gets in your boat. Um, and I don't want to nerd out on this, but um, this, this, Jesus chose a form that had never been chosen before. So like someone preaching out of a boat that had never been done before. And, and on a scientific level, uh, this is the part I'm not going to, I went and studied this and I was like, too much, Tim, too much. But sound, because uh, I'm a fisherman, uh, I know that it travels, it travels across water. So I was like, what, why does it, what, why does it do that so well? So if you talk in like open air in a field, it dissipates. But when a water is calm and flat, the fidelity of sound has zero droppage. So it will carry further and will actually be clearer than if you were sitting in a room with someone. And so Jesus, you know, sometimes he just kind of shows off a little bit like I'm God, like watch this, you know, I'm going to get in a boat and preach over. Anyway, I was just saying for all the Bible nerds in the room, like, isn't it cool that God knows that stuff? Like, you know, like, I'm impressed that he knows it, but he's God. You know, anyway, um, he's like, ah, that's cool. Um, so everything changes when Jesus gets in your boat. Now, 
Ah, I think that we're going to have to compare contrast in order to drive it home. Um, have you, can everybody think of a season when Jesus wasn't in your boat? By show of hands, can you think of a season? Anybody think of a season? All right. Um, you know, whenever you decided to, to sail solo <laughs> out onto a, a journey and, and all of a sudden the storms uh, came up and the waves started crashing again. Has anybody ever been out there in that type of stuff? And Jesus, uh, not in your boat. Uh, it usually ends terribly, right? Some of you know what it's like to, to have to abandon ship <laughs> and you're swimming for the shore and you look back upon this season and you're like, man, we probably should have had Jesus in our boat right there. And then when you look at the times when Jesus is in your boat, can you not see? Isn't it better when Jesus is in your boat? Isn't it better? By, by show of hands, by applause, isn't it better when Jesus... I mean, this isn't rocket science, right? It's better when Jesus is in the boat. I mean, everything instantly, you cannot be the same person. You cannot do the same things. Everything changes the instance that Jesus gets in your boat. And so I want to encourage you to think about why you're at, where you're at. Are you going it alone right now? Are you trying to sail through the storms of this world? Are your, is your marriage trying to go through, honestly, are you going to try to do this without Jesus in your boat? Are you going to try to parent without Jesus in your boat? Are you going to try to run your business in this economy, this up and down inflation 30%? I mean, are you going to try to do that without Jesus in your boat? I'm just saying, if you were going to compare <laughs> to making these decisions without Jesus in your boat, to having Jesus in your boat, I think that you'll find your success rate is gonna be a lot better with Jesus in the boat. And so you need to check, because sometimes I think that we think that Jesus is in the boat, but then like we look around and we start thinking about it and like, when's the last time I prayed? When's the last time I read the word of God? When's the last time I went to church? All these things we start, like when we really think about it, you know, we're Christians, but Jesus isn't in our boat. And so I would just do a check every now and then, like look around and like, is Jesus in here? Yeah, you know, because like maybe the reason why the fights are escalating is because Jesus isn't in your boat. Maybe because your children are straying because Jesus isn't in your boat. And I don't want to spend too much time here because I'm already out of time, I promise you. Um, I want to ask you a question. Is your mind open to God's unusual interruptions? Is your mind open to God's unusual interruptions? You got to think about it. Some of you, let's be honest, are regimented. And by reg, I got it. Um, by regimented, I mean that you are, you are not flexible, okay? And, and you know who you are. And I'm gonna say, I'm, I'm probably in this club, okay? I'm, I'm a little bit OCD, I'm a little bit rigid, okay? So uh, sometimes I say I feel like I'm a robot, and I think that's a good thing, okay? You know, input, output, anyway. Um, 
Does anybody in here married to someone who's regimented? Would anybody say they're married to somebody that's regimented? Would anybody just want to say, I am regimented? Anybody? Okay, 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 okay. I have some friends. Okay. Um, one of our elders, um, who's a coach at Panther Creek, shout out, Kelly Spann, anybody? Shout out, yeah. He's a baseball coach over there, and um, um, he, he's one of my elders, and, and he, he is regimented. When I, when I say regimented, you look up dictionary, regimented, his profile picture is posted right there, okay? So if I say we're having an elder meeting, it's going to be 20 minutes. At minute 21, the obligatory. Now, there's no watch, you know. It's just the, the motion, right? And he's saying to me, without saying anything, we said 20 minutes, and it's now 21, Right? Is anybody else regimented? Like, you think you're not regimented. Okay, here's my challenge to you. Okay, tomorrow, oh, you know what, today, today, you know, however you usually go home from church, I just want you to go a different way. And I mean a way that takes you five minutes longer. I just want you to try it, right? Get in the car and just look at your spouse and say, no, we're gonna go five minutes out of the way in order to get to the same place. Someone will crack, I promise you. When you get up tomorrow morning, if you, have a, if you have a routine, which we all do, okay, I want you to, if you usually brush your teeth first, I want you to brush your teeth last, all right? I don't, want, I don't want you to even think about it, okay? Now, if you put your pants on and then your socks, I want you to go opposite. I want you to go socks and then pants. And I promise, like something in your brain will start to be like, what? What? What are you asking me, man? There's something in us that naturally resists change to our routine. It's just natural. Once I start to do it this way, this is the way that I do it almost forever. So imagine you're a fisherman and some dude of all the days that Peter ever went to work, think about this. He had never had a preacher slash prophet slash religious teacher ever walk up after he's finishing up, cleaning his nets, ready to go home and like, hey, uh, can I preach a sermon from your boat? And this has never happened, you know? And he has the courage to say yes to this. He's open to the interruption. Now, some of you, this is a challenge, right? Like if God needed something of yours and wanted to interrupt your day, some of you'd be like, well, I mean, we can do it tomorrow, but Jesus right now, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I got things to do. I got TikToks to watch. I mean, so much stuff, really. And like, you're not open to the interruption of what God is trying to do. And so be careful, be careful that you don't get so regimented that you're not accessible from God, that God is trying to get his word to you. He's trying to get information to you. He knows what season you're in and he shows up. And sometimes it would, it would seemingly be that he shows up at these inconvenient times and, and all of a sudden now you're going to have to choose, am I willing to give Jesus my attention? Am I willing to give him my time? Am I willing to give him my energy? And man, I think some of you are so busy that you're going to miss that moment. You went from last Sunday to this Sunday, and you never even thought, God, what do you want? God, what is your will? God, how should I handle that? And I'm just saying that it's a mistake 
not to engage with God about your daily decisions. Now watch what happens. God's presence transforms the possession into a platform for the gospel. You see, the boat is no longer just a boat when Jesus gets in it. Now all of a sudden, his possession is a platform to be preached from when just a moment ago, it was just a boat. Have you ever thought about that? That, that your stuff has the opportunity that if you give Jesus access to it, if you invite his presence into it, that the stuff can become a platform from which the gospel can be preached. Have you ever, you ever thought about that? Like your stuff isn't really your stuff, that when you give access to it, I can't tell you how often and how many things have become a platform for the gospel in my pastoring and preaching ministry. If you came over to my house, literally, I think every room in my house has been used for a counseling session. I know my, my front room office has been used. I know that my dining room table has been used. I know that the living room has been used. I know that the bedroom has been used whenever everybody's out there, I'll just let's go back here. Like, that's awkward, by the way. Anyway, um, I know that uh, the front yard has been used. I know that the backyard has been used. I know that my truck has traveled me to many a messed up situation um, where I've counseled people at their lowest moments. Uh, I know that the boat that I fish in has been numerous counseling sessions for me and for other people. And I, I'm giving my access to my possessions so they're no longer possessions. They become his platform because I've invited his presence into it. Your marriage is no longer your marriage. It's a platform from which the gospel can be presented. I guarantee you, if you're healthy and in love with Jesus and people are around you, they're gonna ask you, how, what are you doing? If your kids are in love with Jesus and are following after him and are just at the bare minimum respectful 5% of the time, you will have a line around the neighborhood saying, how did you do that? And you should tell them, I beat them, that's what I did. I, I beat the Jesus into him, beat the devil out. Anyway, all I'm trying to say is, is that you got to invite his presence into the thing. And then the thing is no longer the thing. Wouldn't it be incredible if your profession that you're putting all your pressure all your pressure is just, man, I gotta, I gotta max produce in this profession. What if, just spitballing here, what if you invited his presence into your profession? It was no longer your business. It was no longer your job. It was his job. What if the goal wasn't just to make the most, but what if it was to influence the most? Do you think it would change how you operate, maybe even change the outcomes as a result of his presence being part of your process? Luke chapter 5, verse 4, it goes on. It says, when he had finished speaking, so he's done with his sermon, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. The deep water is where we learn. The deep, oh man, oh, I'm, I'm coming. Uh, the deep water is where we learn. I'm, I'm telling you, the shallow is where we play the shallow is where the introductions are made. But then, if you are faithful in the introduction, he invites you out into the deep waters, and we learn. 
Um, and we learn everything about ourselves. We learn about him. We learn what we can't do. We learn what he can do. But if we never trust him in the shallows, we'll never have an invitation to the deep waters. Check this out. There is a connection between our openness and our opportunity, okay? He was open to the interruption, and that led to an opportunity to go out in the deep water. Now think about access to the boat. That's something so simple, so simple. Jesus got in the boat. All he had to do was push it out a couple feet from the shore. All he did was the bare minimum is give Jesus access to his stuff, give Jesus access to his heart, one decision to obey, one little bit of time, and he gave Jesus access to it, and then that openness to an unusual day that he had never had happen before, he said yes to that, and now all of a sudden, He's invited out to the deeper waters. You see, if we won't trust Jesus in the shallow water, we'll never make it to the invitation that's out there to the deep water. And I'm talking about the shallow stuff. I'm talking about the easy stuff. Like, what if, what if I said, I need to borrow, I just need to borrow your car today. What if, what if, what if, what if someone said, I need to borrow your car today to go do something like so that the gospel, like, what if I, what if I just, what if I needed to borrow your house for like a life group, right? That's just the shallow water, right? So, so you would let me borrow your house. Matt, where's Matt? Life group leader. Hey, stand up, Matt. All right, this is the life group leader. Let him know. He'll be right here after service that your house is available, okay, to host a life group, all right? You don't have to do anything. You just host. You just host. You just open up your house. You're like, no, it's my house. What if they see that it's dirty? Their house is dirty. Let me tell you something. For the gospel, can you trust him with the little so that he can make you ruler over the great? You see, if you won't trust him, in the, you're playing around your whole Christian life in the shallow water, man. Not open. Like you want the benefits of Jesus, but you're not open to any of the sacrifice. See, that's not Christianity. Christianity is about you doing what God wants. And the litmus test is this. Is it yours or does it belong to him? Are you in control or is he in control? You see, if it belongs to you and it doesn't belong to him, then that's your God. If he doesn't have a say in it and you're in control of it, then you're God. But when you surrender to him, all of a sudden, my stuff becomes his. My love becomes, my, my, my mercy, my patience, all of it becomes his. And now I'm empowered to produce change. There's a connection. Are you saying yes to the little things so that you can have access to the big things? It says, Simon answered. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Mm. The empty net nights were preparation, not punishment. And I can tell you that a lot of times we see these empty net nights when what we're doing 
is no longer producing. What we've always used in the past, we're, we're using, we're going to the same place that we've gone to in the past, and yet it's not producing. And oftentimes I think we start to say, God, what are you doing? Like you're, you're, you're punishing me. What if he's preparing you? If every day was sunshine, would you appreciate the rain? If every day was rain, I will guarantee you, you would appreciate the sunshine. Sometimes he's using physical circumstances to prepare you for an opportunity and you wouldn't take it if he hadn't prepared you. It's like if you don't let someone eat all day and now they're hungry, they're going to be excited. They're going to be interested. They're going to be passionate about whatever you put in front of them because they are hungry enough. And so God is preparing their hearts through this hardship. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing worse than an empty net season, an empty net night. I'm a fisherman. Okay, so I'm a bass fisherman. I fish for fun. I'm not trying to provide for my family through what I fish, but, but I'm very passionate about it. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you go out there and you know that in bass fishing, it's going to be like a 90 to 95% fail rate. So for every 90 casts you make, you might catch 10 more fish on the, out on the average. And so like maybe sometimes it's like you go out there and you cast all day. And I'm talking, you go through all these different presentations. You're trying to change up your lure. You're changing up the weight. You're changing up the angles. You're changing up the type of structure that you're in. I mean, you could go all day and now you've made a thousand casts, 2,000 casts, 3,000 casts, and you've caught nothing. And you get to these places inside your mind. And it's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I mean, I know, I know how to do this, and yet what I'm doing isn't working. Like, maybe I should just throw all this stuff away. Maybe I've lost it. Has anybody ever felt like you lost it? I don't know if anybody was ever like a good sports player, and then like one day you realized with certainty that you have lost it, right? Like you got to an age, and you had it, and then one day you woke up, and now you don't have it. You lost it. And there's a certain age, it's never coming back. Anyway, um, here is Peter in the midst of an empty net night. And all I'm trying to get you to see is that God is not punishing you. And I know that it's frustrating right now. I know that, I know that you're like, God, where are you? I'll promise you there's people in this audience right now that when I say empty net night, it instantly translates into something in their life. Their marriage is going through an empty net season. Their money is going through an empty net season. And you're saying, God, I need you. What if I told you just hold on? It's lonely during these empty net seasons. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night, and yet we've caught nothing. You see, out there in the deep waters where we learn where I end and he begins. There are some things that I can't access. There are some things I can't reach. There are some things I can't open. There are some things I can't fix. Here is Peter, and he's in his realm of expertise, and yet he can't access something without Jesus 
in his boat. He can't access something without being under the authority of his word. And so I want you to know that there are some things that you need Jesus in your boat that you will never reach, you will never unlock, you will never fix, you will never recover from, you will never, you will never overcome. You're trying to get past this one. It's like a hurdle and you keep on hitting your head against the wall and you say to yourself, why do we keep going over this over and over and over again? What if I told you that Man, you need to get Jesus in your boat. You need to learn that there's a place where you can't and where God can. That you, like John the Baptist, whenever Jesus was being introduced to the world as the Savior, it says that Jesus came on the scene and John was the prophet of the day. He was the, the highest prophet. Like he was the one known throughout all of Israel as the voice of God. And as he saw Jesus, do you know what he said? He said, you must increase, but I must, wow, think about that for a moment. Is, that, is this your prayer? Is this your prayer? I feel like modern Christian prayers say, God bless me so that I can increase. And we don't pray, God, bless me so that you can increase. Do you see the distinction? Do you see, have you found the place where you end? And he begins. You see, there's some things that only your faith can unlock. Like you'll never unlock this in the natural. It's impossible. If you're wondering what that missing thing is, are you trying to do it by force or are you trying to do it by faith? You see, in salvation, there's a place where you end and God begins. You can't save yourself. The Bible says because of our sin, we all fall short. There's a measuring stick, a literal measuring stick. It's perfection. And if it's one sin or a million sins, they all separate us from God. And if you've never found the place where you end and God begins, today I pray that you make the turn. I pray that you make the turn and the realization, the confession that you must be born again. You must acknowledge this is where I end. I can't be good enough. I've sinned and I've fallen short. And only Jesus can save me. And today, if your marriage is on the rocks. If there are things that are driving you to the absolute edge, is it possible that God is trying to get you to the place where you end? And he begins. I've learned every time when I let go and I let God, that's where the magic is. That's when I find out what God can truly do in the midst of my weakness. Not only do we learn where I end and he begins, we have to obey the word even when it doesn't make sense. Right? Peter's out there. He's fished all night. And you can hear it in the caveat. He's like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've done this all night, Jesus. <laughs> you know, we're... 
This is what we do for a living. And, uh, you know, okay, okay, well, okay. Like, what do you, uh, where, what'd your dad, what, what was your dad, what, what'd your dad do in Nazareth? Was, was he a fisher? No, he's a carpenter, huh? Yeah. So, like, are you, do you fish? No, no. Okay, so, so, like, see, some of you are so regimented. I imagine Jesus walking into your office, and you're an accountant, right? Is there any accountants in the room, by show of hands? Okay, I got one right here. All right, two. Only two accountants. Three, thank you. And Jesus walks in and is like, hey, can I see your books? You know, uh, just want to check your tables. You know, just want to check the spreadsheet, see if you've got any pivot tables I can look at, you know. And like, you look at Jesus and you're like, uh, Jesus, did you take accounting? Like, are you a, are you a, are you a CPA? Is that, is that you? And like, no, he's not. Like, some of you literally want to see his credentials. That's what you, like, he's telling you to do something. You're like, well, did you go to, did you get your MBA? Jesus, like, are you a doctor? Like, what? He, no, he's Jesus. Do you understand? He's Jesus. He's Je Everybody say it. What do you think? He's Jesus. Like, he, his credentials are that he is God, right? And he's not asking your, he's not, did you think he was asking your opinion? Like, let me break your heart. He, he's not asking you what you think about. He didn't say, let down your nets and there may be a catch. He didn't say, cast it out there and maybe. He said, let down your nets for a catch. He's not trying to get your opinion on it. It doesn't matter how much of an expert you are. There are some things you don't have access to. You will never get to those things. There's a catch that's out there and it's only unlocked by faith and you are sitting there and you're saying, I know what I'm doing. I've done this a thousand times. And he says, I know you know what you're doing and I know you've done it a thousand times, but one more time with me in the boat. One more time with me. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense like Pastor Derek preached to yell at a wall. That makes no sense. It makes no sense to send David, a boy, out to face a giant. That makes no sense. It makes no sense that God loved us enough to send his only begotten son to die on a cross for the majority of people to not believe. For the majority of Christians to take it casually. For the majority of believers to dwell in the shallows, even though they're invited to the deep. That makes no sense. And yet God does it anyway. Can I encourage you to obey God even when it doesn't make sense? What if I told you that one more cast could make all the difference? What have I told you? Let's look, at it. Let's look at what happens. It says, when they had done so, they let down the nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats full and they began to sink. Now, some of you are always thinking there's not enough. Some of you suffer from a scarcity mindset. You're like, I gotta, no, I gotta take care of me. I gotta take care, like, I gotta, I gotta fill up my gas tank before, no, I gotta always, like, make sure there's food on my table. I gotta make sure that I get to sell, because if I let that guy get to sell, then he's gonna get the, he's gonna get the promotion. And, like, you're consumed, consumed with it. 
What if I told you that if you'd make a cast with Jesus in the boat, that you can do the same exact thing that you were doing, and yet you can get a different result? What if I told you that? What if I told you you could do the same thing, but put Jesus in the boat, and as a result of Jesus being in the boat, you get a different result? Man, wouldn't that be amazing? What if it was about blessing instead of about consuming for yourself? Like, think about that for a moment. Like, God is creating all these opportunities around you, and all you have to do is obey. It says that you same action, different result. Some of you, you're coming into church, and you don't have community in your life, and you went to another church, and you didn't have community in your life there, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid that I'm going to get an email, and you're going to say, like, well... You know, Pastor Tim, we moved on because we just couldn't get connected. We just couldn't get connected. And I say to you, like, look to your left and look to your right. After this service is over, what are the odds? What are the odds? That you could just talk to that person beside you. And like, this turns into a Christian community. Do you know how to get connected without talking to people? Do you know how to do that? Let me just talk to my single people in the room. Let me, let me explain to you, okay? If you never talk to someone, you will be single for the rest of your life, right? Can I get an amen? Somebody say amen. Like, listen, there are single people in this room that are looking for other single people in this room. And the only thing between you and them is that fear dreaded, oh my God, talking, talking. Like we could get someone married in here today. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes. The same, you could get the same, you did this. Oh, listen, you came to church last week and nothing happened. You came to church the week before that, nothing happened. But I'd ask you, was Jesus in your boat? The worship songs were sung just 17, 20 minutes ago, and yet nothing moved inside of you. Nothing, nothing went from heaven to earth and back to, nothing went like that. But what if I told you, if you put Jesus in your boat, we're gonna cast one more time at the end of the service, and I promise you that if you crown him king of your heart, all of a sudden this worship begins to rise out of, the passion rises out of you because you did the same exact thing, but Jesus was in the boat and you got a whole different result. Wouldn't that be incredible in just a moment? Yes. When we embrace the unusual, it unlocks the unprecedented. They had never had a day like this in their life. I'm trying to get you to your best day, my friend. I'm trying. I'm trying. Like this second sir, y'all a little sleepy. I'm just telling you. Like, like I'm trying to get you to your best day. I'm going to tell you, when someone catches a big fish on my boat, which I will say, I've had at least seven PBs that people have caught on my boat. And I just literally take them out and I say, cast right there. And then they cast and like amazing things happen, okay? So I'm just saying, like I've guided people and whenever a PB happens, whenever something happens that's amazing, especially in the male world, we get into a different voice happens. And I don't know where, I don't know like when we learned it, but like men almost become unintelligible. Have y'all noticed this? Like when they get excited about something, like can you imagine they just had the best day of their fishing career? They let 
let down the nets because he said so. And all of a sudden, there were so many fish. They're high-fiving one another. They're like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, my. Woo! Woo! Like, men just start making that noise. I don't know. It's universal. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's so much excitement. Boom, high-five. When your team scores a touchdown, just record your husband the next time. His team's, like, it's unintelligible, right? It's like, it's like we become pirates. I don't know. It's something happens. All because they trusted him in the shallow. They were open to the unusual. And now they've moved out into the deep water. And they trusted him with this now second unusual request. It unlocks the unprecedented. And they never had a day like that in their life. I'm trying to get your marriage to a day like you've never had in your life. I want your family to be at a place you've never been in your life. I want your passion for God to be at a place it's never been in in your life and all I'm trying to say is you got to believe enough that even when it doesn't make sense one more time for God one more time one more cast what if you and the wife had one more conversation with Jesus in the boat what if you had one more conversation in your kids when you're parenting them through the difficult times but Jesus was in the boat what if you went into work and with that customer that you can't stand, I'm going to tell you, what if you had a neighbor that had a child that just kept kicking the soccer ball against this fence and it was just driving you crazy? I'm not saying that's me, but it is me. And I'm just like, I, I see the ball out in the yard sometimes and I just walk down and I look and then just kick it down the street. It makes me feel good. I know I shouldn't. I just need Jesus in my boat. And then I look at those children, I like, oh, the Lord loves you. But one more time with Jesus in the boat, and I guarantee you, you might get the best day of your life. Lastly, it says that the other disciples came over and they filled their boat also. What if the other things don't motivate you? I hope this does. What if someone else's blessing is tied to your obedience? You ever thought about that? Like James and John were secondary. They weren't part of the story. They weren't called to share at the shallows. They were just out there doing their thing. And yet, because Peter obeyed, the favor was on Peter. Wouldn't it be so great if you were, whew, that your life was so blessed that the, oh, it was more than you could even handle? Like you don't even have a big enough boat? Like you have, James, John, get over here. Fill up that boat, both boats sinking as a result of one more cast. If I could tell you no other reason, no other reason in the world, but that someone else might get blessed, that's enough reason for you to say yes to Jesus, right? It's just that someone else could get blessed. I think back upon Carrie and I saying yes to God. And this is not to lift us up, but I'm saying 
you start to think about it, how many lives have been changed because we said yes? Thousands of lives have been changed because we said yes. We allowed our lives to be interrupted. We were willing to give up everything so that one more soul could be saved. They get back to the shore, and it says that the Apostle Peter, James, John, Andrew, they drop their nets and they follow after Jesus. I'll leave you with this thought. That was the best day of their professional lives, and they were willing to trade it all to follow in the unknown. They're willing to trade their best day for the way, the truth, and they are the light. Like, man, if you're willing to go out into the deep waters, what you'll find is this. He'll lift you up into places that you never dreamed possible. He'll lift you into places that you didn't even earn, you didn't deserve it. He'll give you things, and you'll say to yourself, this is just another tool. This is just another thing that I can bring honor and glory with him to. So I sat with a couple this week, and God told me a story of incredible redemption from the bottom. And when he was at the bottom, lost everything, lived for himself, selfish decisions, he decided to put Jesus in his boat. Started tithing, and now God has poured out a blessing on them beyond most of us could ever imagine. He said, literally, we've sat down as a couple in a blended family and said it was when we decided to honor God first that all this other stuff was unlocked. What I'm trying to get you to see is that's the shallow water that unlocks the opportunity of the deep water. The physical stuff is easy. Spiritual stuff is hard. But if you don't trust him in the physical, you sure won't trust him in the spiritual. As we wrap up today's message, he's calling you. It was never about the catch. It was always about the calling. It was always about people. At Genesis Metro, our motto is, it's all about people. Because Jesus was all about people. If Jesus loves people so much that he wants to save them, and that's all of his passion, then you have to evaluate yourself according to his standard, not your own. Are you all about people? Are you all about creating space? Are you all about serving through the vehicle that Jesus chose his church so that someone else could get on the bus and have a life-changing experience for all of eternity? Is that what you're about? Because you can't tell me that you're a disciple if you're not about that. You gotta be about that. And if something in your life needs to change so that someone else has the chance to get blessed as a result of your life. And man, I say that life that you don't even know yet is worth it. Would you let me pray for you? Father, we ask during this last cast, God, that today is going to be someone's day. That they walked in here and it was just another day, but then Jesus showed up. And he's asking this morning for permission. Can I get in your boat? 
Are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to let me? Man, whew, man, wouldn't it be incredible if someone today realized where they ended and where God began? What if someone said yes to an eternity with Jesus? Like, Tim, I have tried everything that this world has to offer and I'm still empty. I'm still broken. And yet this sermon is that one more cast that's going out into the deep water. We're letting it down and we're expecting the net to be full when it rises. I'm telling you, someone is about to have a day. Crown Jesus and see if the last song hits different than the first song. Are you ready, church? Would you guys stand with us and worship? I said, are you ready, church? <laughs> 